chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now as we come to the fourth chapter of Mark, we find the Lord Jesus addressing through parables a very real situation that was taking place in his area of ministry around the Sea of Galilee. There were many followers, but as we saw from Mark chapter 3, there were various motivations for following. So in order to address that situation with his disciples, Jesus spoke what is a very familiar parable. It's called the parable of the sower, but it could probably be better called the parable of the soils or the parable of the seeds because the parable is mostly about soil, mostly about that which receives God's word, the seed. As we go into this text, we want to see that there are various responses to God's truth. And this parable pictures for us the responses not only of the people in Jesus' day, but the responses that people can make to the truth that God shares with us even today. But before we get into the text, let's go to our Lord in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for this text and how we praise you for the clarity that is presented in this text about the responses that people can have to your truth. Father, I pray that as we go through this, that we would gain deeper insight, not only into people at large, but Lord, may we look to ourselves. May we see the kind of soil that we are as evidenced by our lives. And Father, if we find ourselves wanting, may we change our hearts. May we receive your truth that we might bear fruit. Thank you for the challenge that this text offers us. Let us have open hearts, receptive hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we come to this fourth chapter, first, we want to understand this. Spiritual truth can be communicated in many, many ways. Sometimes it's direct. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it becomes evident right away. And sometimes we have to mull it over, think it through, allow the truth of God to permeate our hearts, and look at it from a different angle. It's amazing to me as I talk to people how often people have come to me and said, Pastor, I've heard the Word of God over and over and over again, but today something that was said opened a whole new door for me. And now I'm thinking about it in a new way, and it's making sense, and it's clicking, and I'm understanding what's been said. God gives us many different approaches to sharing God's Word. And that's what we're going to see this morning. But what we're going to see is this. No matter how the Word of God is given, what approach is used, you have to have a receptive heart. If your heart isn't ready to receive what God has to share with you, then no matter how it's presented, 
you have a closed heart. You'll never receive the truth that God intends for you to have. You'll never understand what God has for you right in His Word. When we come to the first part of this passage, we want to look at the setting. And when we see this first verse of the fourth chapter, we find a common place for Jesus to minister. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Now, we know this lake to be the Lake of Galilee. This was a place where Jesus conducted his ministry, where he did a lot of his teaching, and where often we would read that so many people would come to hear the very word of Jesus, that he would have to climb into a boat so that the crowd didn't press in on him, so that he would have room to teach. And this is another one of those occasions. Now, earlier in the third chapter, we saw that there was very much the same situation, that there were people who came, and what we found in this crowd were there were casual followers, there were some committed followers, there were some very confused people, and then finally there were some real calloused hearts who wouldn't hear a word that Jesus had to say. We're going to find very much the same that's illustrated in the parable of the soils as we look into it. And what we're going to see is this. Not only do we look at a setting as far as the place and the time that it was given, but we also look at a setting that describes the conditions of men's heart. And what we're going to see as we go through this parable is a description of many kinds of hearts. And what we're going to also see is this. We're going to fall into one of those kinds of hearts. We're going to be one of those soils, one of those types of seed. So it's important for us to stop and think for a moment, what kind of seed am I? Now, I've been throwing out the word parable a good bit. The Scripture tells us here in the second verse that Jesus taught the crowd these things in parables. Now, what is a parable? A parable, very simply, is a story that's given to illustrate a deeper truth. Very often, parables will find very common things, things that you would see every day. And the person who shares the parable will share something that people look at and sort of take for granted. They see it all the time. But in so doing, there's something behind that parable that if a person takes the time to think it through, to investigate, to really look a little bit deeper, they can find profound truth rather than just a simple story. And that's what we're going to see today. There were some that indeed would find that profound truth. They would not just come with curiosity, but eventually they would hear the truth, be transformed, and their curiosity would turn to commitment and conviction by the truth. Now, as we go through this text, we come to the actual story itself. And when we look in the third verse, the Scripture records the words of our Lord. And notice the third verse begins with a word, listen. Now this word, listen, is going to have significance throughout the parable. What we're going to see is there are people who hear the words of the truth that Jesus presents. You see, in this story, Jesus is represented by the sower who comes and shares the seed, which represents the Word of God. And what we're going to see is People listened in different ways. Now, all of us who've had kids have told them something, and we say, are you listening? And what we mean by it is not just, did you hear the sounds coming out of my mouth? 
but more the idea, are you doing something with it? Are you going to modify your behavior because of what you just heard? That's listening. So when Jesus tells the crowd to listen, it's a cue to them. He's saying to them, don't just hear the sounds that are coming out of my mouth. Listen with your hearts and grasp the truth that is about to be shared. And this emphasis is further intensified because in the original language, the Scripture doesn't just say, listen, our NIV Bible sort of skipped past this word. There's another word in addition to listen, and that's the word behold. Now, the New American Standard does a good job of picking this up. Listen to it. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. So there's kind of like a double attention getter here. Listen and behold. Both of them cues to the crowd that what I'm about to share has great significance. And I want it to take root in your hearts and grow. I want you to respond to what's being shared with you right in this moment. So carefully turn your attention to what I'm saying. That's what Jesus was saying to the crowd. And because it's in the Word of God, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us. Now let's look at the story Jesus tells itself. He shares with us that a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, this is something that we see in the culture of the Middle East quite often. As people would go out to share or sow their seed, they would have a pouch at the side, and they would take the seed and they would broadcast it. Rather than working the soil and making sure that there are nice, neat furrows to take the seed and lay it in, like in this picture, they would take the seed and cast it about. Now, some of the seed would fall on differing kinds of terrain, and the kind of terrain that the seed would fall on would determine what was produced. And that's what Jesus begins to share with the people in this parable. Notice, he begins by talking about after scattering this seed... Verse 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. So some of the seed that was cast out went onto a path, which is, by the way, a compacted, pressed down area of soil. If you've ever worked a garden and there's a path that everybody walks back and forth to get to things so that they can tend to the garden you know that that makes lousy planting because it's hard. And what happens? You throw seed on and it bounces off. Nothing happens. So some of the seed fell on that. And because it was hard and because the seed didn't really get into the soil, birds swooped in and ate it. All of us who have planted grass seed have had that experience, haven't we? You throw the grass seed out and the birds come in and have a feast. And you say, man, that was an, an expensive bird feed that I just threw out. They chomp down and it's gone. Then the text goes on. Verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Now, here's the idea of real rocky soil. And it's so rocky that there's just a little bit of dirt on top of the rock. So what happens? The seed falls on it and maybe it starts to grow. Maybe you're looking and saying, wow, you know, this, this looks pretty promising. And it grows faster than the other stuff because the soil's a little bit warmer. 
But then what happens? Sun comes, dries it out, gone. Verse 6. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. And then verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. So here's another kind of soil. Weeds and thistles and thorns are growing and some of the seed falls in its midst and it's there on the ground, but there's not much light or not much room for their roots to take root and grow. So what happens? It gets choked out. No chance for growth. And then finally, verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Now when we look at this, we think, wow, that's a great crop. But understand that in the first century, as you're using this broadcast method, if you had seven times what you had sown, that was a bumper crop. So when Jesus comes along and says 30 or 60 or even 100, that was unheard of. In your wildest imagination, you wouldn't expect that kind of return for what you've sown. So Jesus' story caught their attention. But then something unusual happens. For the vast majority of the crowd, he leaves it there. He doesn't explain what the parable meant. He just piques their interest and then leaves it. So we're looking at this and saying, now, wait a minute. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus share a a parable that people aren't really figuring out and then not continue to explain to everybody what the parable meant? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because as we go on in the text, we see that sowing spiritual truth can bring about diverse responses. And what we begin to see as we come to the ninth verse of this text is that Jesus had a purpose in sharing the parable, and it wasn't necessarily to inform everyone. Now, I've heard some people say that parables were given as simple stories so that people could understand spiritual truth a little better. And you know what we find here in Mark chapter 4, verses 9 through 12? That was not the purpose of parables at all. The purpose of parables sometimes was to hide the truth as much as reveal the truth. And a person's willingness to learn from the parable depended on their desire to know the truth in a deeper way. They had to pursue the truth. They had to go and humble themselves and ask for an explanation. And so Jesus used parables very often as a test. How interested are you in truly learning the truth? Are you just interested in coming for the surfacey stuff that's kind of easy to skim off the top and that's good enough for you? Or are you coming to dig a little bit deeper to pursue, to develop an understanding of God's truth? For those who wanted to understand the parable, 
If you just took it at face value, you were just going to say, wow, what an interesting story. It has no application to me whatsoever. I don't understand it, but it's entertaining, and I really enjoy the story. But if you come and you say, wow, you know, I know Jesus wasn't just talking about sowers and soils and seeds. There has to be more to it. I need to discover what he means by this, and you pursue it, and you seek it. God begins to open his truth to you. And you know, I think there are a lot of people who come to church and skim off the top. We come and we'll hear God's truth presented, and we say, oh my, what a nice sermon, what an interesting story. What a great time. It was a good service. And we go home, and it rarely changes our lives. Not much is produced in our lives. We just sort of go on as we've always gone on, and not a lot happens. We get from God's Word what we invest into it. So if we invest nothing into it, we get nothing out of it. That's the way the parables were. That's what they were teaching. That's what they were presenting. There has to be that deeper understanding. And that's why as we come to the ninth verse, Jesus says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Even when God's truth is given, not everyone's going to hear it. You see, you have to have a receptive heart to truly hear the Word of God. If I come in with preconceived notions, if I come in with a hard heart saying, I intend to remain just as I am, then you don't have ears to hear. And you'll never hear God's truth. It'll never make a difference in your life. It will never transform you. But thankfully, in this story, there were those who had ears to hear. So look at the 10th verse. And as we come to the 10th verse, it says, When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. Now, there were those who weren't willing to just leave it at that surface story. They were the disciples, the followers of Christ, the 12 that are mentioned in chapter 3. But in addition, there were others who came as well and said, look, there's got to be more to that story than what I just heard. I want to understand its truth. And what we find in this text is this. Those who came seeking God's truth, God revealed the meaning behind the parable. Because look at what we find after it mentions that these came. Verse 11. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now this... It's a hard saying that we come to here in Mark chapter 4. So let's break it down and try and understand what's being shared. The kingdom of God, the truth about the kingdom of God, had it been shared by Jesus with clarity to this crowd before? Our answer would have to be absolutely yes. Prior to this time, Jesus had been speaking very clearly about the kingdom of God. 
and about how people needed to change, how their hearts needed to to turn to God away from their sin. Jesus had been crystal clear in His discussions about the kingdom of God. But what happened? Many of the people rejected the revelation that Jesus was sharing. So what did Jesus do? For those who had heard the Word of God clearly presented again and again and again, now He was shifting to parables that the truth might be hidden from them as a judgment against them. You see, the text that's quoted here in verse 12 is a text from the book of Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, there's a wonderful revelation about an event that happened to Isaiah. If you remember, Isaiah was caught up in a vision into heaven. And there in heaven, he saw the throne of God and the angels worshiping God around the throne. And a voice shared with Isaiah that there was a message of truth that needed to be shared with Israel. And we remember Isaiah's response. His response was, here am I, send me. I'll be the messenger. But God also gave a warning to Isaiah. You know what the warning was? These people have a hard heart. And as you share your message, the message that should transform everybody will transform very few. Most of the people will see the things that you want them to see and hear the things that you want them to hear, but their hearts are so hard they won't be transformed. They've already made up their minds to rebel and live the way they want to live, so very little that you say is going to get through because they're going to be closed off to it. So really, Isaiah's ministry for those who had closed their hearts was a ministry of judgment. Each time they were given opportunity to listen to God's truth and spurned it, their hearts became more calloused, more resistant to God's truth. And as their hearts became more resistant to God's truth, they were held accountable for having heard it but spurned it even more. It was a serious judgment. And that's what Isaiah was talking about in this passage. The Scripture says in Isaiah 6, 9, he said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the heart of this people calloused, make their eyes dull and close their eyes. Now, here's the thing about the truth. The same truth that transforms some can harden the hearts of others. It's the same truth, but the reception of that truth will determine what happens to you in your heart. If you're receptive and say, I need to hear this truth and and I need to allow it to wash over me and make a difference in my life, you'll be transformed by that truth. But if you listen to it and you say, I'm going my own independent way. Don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. I'm going to do what I want to do. That same truth is going to callous your heart. 
And the more calloused your heart becomes, the more dull your hearing will be. And it's a warning to people. A severe warning about spurning the truth of God. Now, I think there's a message here for the church as well. There are times when you'll hear truth presented, and we all do, where the Holy Spirit tweaks our heart and says, this is talking to you. Change. Listen. And sometimes we'll say no. Not ready to do that. I'd rather just kind of keep dabbling in spiritual things rather than responding. And you know what happens? We start to see our spiritual life slide. We start to look and say, you know, not only is this not that important, but this isn't that important too. And we start branching out. We start becoming more and more calloused to other things. It gives Satan a foothold in our life And as a result, we slip and we slide. God's truth must be heard. And here's the fact that we see with God's truth. It's either going to affect us and elicit change, or it's going to affect us and cause us to become more calloused. It will not just stand there and do nothing. So we must ask ourselves, what will I do with God's truth? Will I receive it and change or reject it and become calloused? For the followers of Jesus, there was this true warning that was given to them that they needed to continue to be listeners. But there was also the warning that he was sharing in parables that those who were already rejecting the message that he had given clearly thus far might not hear anything further until they were ready to receive it. And when you look at it, really, Jesus' teaching in parables was merciful to those who had heard the clear teaching and rejected it. Further explanation would make them even harder because they weren't ready to receive it. So one could say that Jesus' parables were merciful to those who rejected the very truth that God shared. But then we come to the 13th verse. And as we come to the 13th verse, we find the specific meaning of the parables, and it's interpreted for us as his disciples. And this is what I would really like to key in on for just the next few moments Verse 13 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Jesus was asking the disciples, Could you figure it out? And what they were saying was, On our own, no. And so when Jesus says, Well, then how will you understand any parable? I believe he was drawing them to a point. Not that you're dumb, you can't understand the parable, but the point was this, In order to understand these hidden things, you come to the source the one who reveals. And I will give you the explanation of these parables. You learn through my revelation. 
And then Jesus opens the parable up for us. He begins by talking about the sower. Now in this text when it says a farmer went out to sow the word, what Jesus, I believe, was portraying was what he had been doing through his ministry. Sowing the word of God. As he was talking about the kingdom of God with clarity, some were responding by following him, others responding by rejecting him. But Jesus was sharing the same word, the same seed with both. So when something wasn't productive, it wasn't the fault of the sower. It was the fault of the soil. And Jesus wanted to make that crystal clear. By the way, as followers of Jesus Christ, we now are charged with the responsibility of sharing, spreading the seed of God's Word. And what we're going to find is, as we share the gospel with people, as we share God's truth with people, if Jesus, as the sower, found these varying responses to his word, how can we expect different? We're going to find many, many different responses to God's truth. So it's also a preparation for us to understand that our responsibility is to cast out the seed. It's the responsibility of the soil to grow it up and ultimately God. Now, continue. This farmer is sowing, representing God, sowing his word in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we come to the first kind of ground that it fell on. In verse 15 it says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, the word on a path. A path, as we said moments ago, is hardened ground, right? It's ground that isn't receptive to the seeds that are thrown upon it. Jesus, of course, was talking about the religionists of his day who had hard hearts, who from day one refused to hear anything that Jesus had to say. As the seed, the word, was thrown upon them, they threw it right back. They wanted nothing to do with it. But then when he says that the birds representing Satan came along and took it away, the idea is this. In the hardness of their heart, they gave Satan a foothold in their life. To where that seed that could have just kind of hung around on the path and perhaps someday germinated, no opportunity to do so. Because Satan came and snatched it away. They rejected it, wanted nothing to do with it. So it just wouldn't grow. You know, this is a warning about hard hearts. If my heart is hardened to God's truth... There's not a place for it to grow. There won't be anything that develops 
or grows in my life. A serious warning. Then we come to the next soil that's mentioned. And that's the rocky soil. In verse 16 it says, Other seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, the second group, they give the appearance of life. Maybe they sprout up. Maybe you see some little sprigs of green that come up. But as soon as the sun comes out, as soon as it's just a little bit dry, because there's no depth to them, they run away, never to be heard from again. You know, as a pastor, you can see this happen very often in a church fellowship. Somebody comes in and they seem so interested in spiritual things. They're excited about the reception that they have from the church and they're excited about hearing messages that, that maybe inspire them and encourage them and they feel good about themselves. They feel good about the church. And then some trials come into their lives and they say, where's God? He wasn't there when I wanted him or needed him. You know, I've got no use for God, and they walk away. That's the picture that we find here. They're a mile wide and a quarter inch deep. They never really respond or grow because there's not that root that digs into the soil and produces a harvest of fruit. This is a warning to those who we're coming to hear Jesus' words and we're excited about what He had to say, but when things didn't go their way, they turned away. Some of them perhaps even shouting, crucify Him, when Jesus was before Pilate. We need to understand that in a situation like this, these people are most likely not even believers. You see, John tells us this. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going shows that none of them belonged. You see, true faith in Jesus Christ is committing yourself to Christ. Not just coming and saying, yeah, Jesus lived and died, and I think that's really great. But understanding that Jesus lived and died so that he could transform me and change me into the kind of person he wants me to be. And I'm going to commit myself to Christ that I might experience that change. Too many people think that you come into a relationship with God by very simply walking into a church, sitting through a few services, and giving some sort of intellectual assent to some of the teachings of the church, and that's not so. Faith means to entrust yourself to God, and these people never did. Then we see another kind of soil. 
Look at verse 18. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And when you look at that picture of this bramble, you get a picture of what Jesus is talking about. Seed that would fall in that mess won't grow. Oh, it might sprout a little bit, but it will never come to maturity. It will never come to the place to where it produces fruit. Why? Because it's choked out. You know, as I started looking at this, I wondered, what does Jesus mean when he says that it's choked out? Look at verse 19 once again. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Let's think about these. When Jesus talks about the worries of life, what is he talking about? The idea is we get so worried and wrapped up in seeing to the material wants and needs of our life that we lose focus on the fact that God is the one who provides for us. We don't exercise faith in Him. We exercise faith in our worries. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said this, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The idea is trusting God to provide for my needs and not getting so wrapped up in the idea that I have to take care of everything myself and work all these things out that I forget all about God or become resentful of God. It's trusting Him, counting on Him, refusing to worry. What about the wealth that we find Jesus addressed? The deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus said this also in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What happens to choke these people's lives out? They become so materialistic that making more money, having more toys and things is more important than my relationship with God. And so we get distracted. And we forget the eternal perspective that it's deepening that relationship with God that truly matters. If we had to look at something that in our culture chokes more people out than anything else, I think it would be this. We become so dedicated to getting ahead materially that we lose perspective on getting ahead spiritually and truly developing our walk with God. These are people who don't produce because it's choked out. And then look at the last part of that 19th verse. They also get choked out by the desire for other things. Now, the other things would be anything that takes the place of God. It might be a relationship. It might be a hobby. 
It can be anything that takes our focus off of the priority of God in our lives. Here, Jesus is warning those who have ears to hear that this is something that's coming into your life by stealth. And that can just sort of creep up on you and choke you out as far as your spiritual passion. And the warning is, don't be soil that just produces thistles and thorns. Be that soil that produces fruit. Which brings us to our last image. Verse 20. Others like the seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Now, what have you noticed about each of the other soils that we've looked into? Not one of them produced a crop. The hard path didn't even germinate. The rocky soil germinated, but no fruit. Even those that were growing in the thorns and thistles were choked out and nothing was really produced by their lives. The only one that really produced was the receptive soil that took the seed in. And it's interesting the way Jesus phrases this. Look at the 20th verse carefully. Others, like seed sown on good soil, now listen to this, hear the word and accept it. You know what made a difference? They not only heard the word, but they accepted it. And that word accept is an essential word in the original language. You know what it means? It's a word that means to adopt something. To take it and allow it access to your life. You see, rather than just hearing the word and saying, oh my, isn't that interesting? That was such a good story. You know, it's a good life principle. Maybe someday I'll implement it. Now, what do they do? They accept the truth. They hear it and they say, this is truth and this is something that needs to change my life. I need to allow it to transform me. That's what accepting the truth is. Jesus is really extending a call to all of us as his disciples to be that good ground, to hear the word but not just hear it, accept it, adopt it. Let it be a part of your life that you might be changed and transformed. Here's the idea. When that happens, you produce a crop. Now, the question is, what is Jesus talking about in this text when he talks about fruit, about this crop? There are a lot of people, anytime they see the word crop or fruit in the Scripture, they're thinking in terms of evangelism. I don't think that's what this parable means at all. The crop that is produced in this text by the power of God's word is transformation of your own life into what God intends for you to be. Now, if I'm just going along, muddling along, no change ever takes place, I need to ask myself, what kind of soil am I? Have I become hardened to God's truth to where it doesn't even affect me at all anymore? In fact, I try to avoid it when I can. 
Am I soil that will kind of get a kickstart for a little bit, but then burn out real quick and I go right back to the way I've been living right along? Or am I the kind of soil that maybe is really trying to live for God, but there are so many things in my life that I haven't set aside and that I'm still trying to hold on to that I ought not to hold on to, that I'm getting choked out. If you're one of those three soils, you're not going to produce. The Word of God will not change your life. You're not receptive to what God says. True, good soil, receptive soil, opens its heart to God and says, make me the kind of person you want me to be. Change me, transform me, show me the things in my life that need to be changed and empower me to do so. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's the only option that really makes sense. The soils that Jesus described don't just pertain to the first century. They pertain to us today. And thank God within the church body you can see much good soil. And you can be encouraged by what God is doing to transform lives. It's encouraging to hear the stories of those who are following Christ and loving Him and serving Him. And listen, they're not perfect. They slip. They fail. But in their heart, they want to grow. That's good soil. And God will take that soil and grow it and use it for His honor and glory. But also it breaks your heart to see the other soils as well. The hardened soil that's become angry with God and won't hear what God has to say. The soil that's kind of stony where they have little spurts of life and growth but nothing sustained. and You can't really tell where the word of God has changed their life at all. And then the ones that are just so tangled up in the things of this world that they're choked out by it. They can't follow because they're tied down to too much, entangled by the things of this world. My encouragement to you as a church body, be the good soil. Be receptive. Follow him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the reminder that it is to us that we need to be good soil. And Father, my prayer is this morning that each person here will make that commitment to accept the word that you give, to adopt it into their lives, to follow it in a way that pleases and honors you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.